At a previous church, uh, there was an older gentleman, great guy, just a godly, very compassionate man, loved him to death. And one Christmas when my girls were younger, he made a train set for my girls. He, he was all into trains, had a whole room with nothing but trains and tracks and cars and whatever you have when you have a train room. He had that. And so he made my girls uh, a, a train set. He made this wooden frame. As a matter of fact, I brought a picture. Uh, he made this wooden track, a uh, wooden uh, frame, and put the track on it. And then it had casters underneath to make mom happy because when they're not playing with it, we could push it under the bed. So mom was happy that it was not in the middle of the room. And so he brings it over right before Christmas, unboxes all of the cars, takes the engine out, shows me how to run the train and how to oil the engines. A lot of, I didn't realize it was so complicated. It was pretty complicated. So he showed me how to take care of everything. And my girls loved playing with this train. Now when the nephews come over, it's in our basement. And the nephews love to go down to the basement, play with the train. Uh, but as you'll notice, he made two tracks. There's an outer oval and an inner oval and uh, Christmas houses uh, spread out all over the train as well. Um, how you get from the outer oval, oval to the inner oval is a little switch. I got, I got a picture of the switch too. Yeah, there's the switch and you flip that switch. And the interesting thing is the track doesn't move very far. It moves about that far. It just slides and then the, the train is running on the inside track. And then you slide it back. It's running on the outside. Highly technical. I know. Everybody following? You keeping up? Okay. Love this train. Now, we've been talking about negativity and cynicism and sarcasm and how there's this trend. Uh, there's this tide that seems to pull everybody toward the negative Right now, scroll, scroll through Twitter, look, look at your Facebook feed. Uh, there's just this constant barrage of negative thoughts and opinions. Wouldn't it be great if you and I had a little switch? And it, whenever we got moving down the negativity track, we could just flip the switch and there'd be a little adjustment and we'd be done with negativity and we'd, we'd move on to something more positive, or, or maybe even better, wouldn't it be good if everybody else had a switch? If somebody was being really, they were complaining a lot, you could just walk up to them, find their switch and flip it, and they would just be a positive person. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Like you go into office tomorrow, and the, the person that causes all of the conflict, all of, all of the drama in your office, you just kind of sneak up behind them, kind of flip the switch, and, and they're a totally different person. That would be fantastic. Unfortunately, we don't come with switches. We don't have a way to adjust our track in the way that trains do. But that's not to say that we can't adjust our thinking. That's not to say that we don't have control over which track we're on. It's possible... To notice, if you're honest with yourself, it's possible to notice that your tendency at any given point in time has moved towards the negative. Like everything that's coming out of your mouth, everything you post, every comment you make tends towards sarcasm and cynicism and negativity. It, it's possible to realize that and decide that you want to change. In order to do that, 
you have to first think about what you're thinking. Do you ever think about what you're thinking? Or do you just think? Sometimes it can be healthy to think about what we're thinking um, and realize, I don't want to think that anymore. I don't want to keep thinking about that. For some of us, we're an hour into thinking about it when we go, I'm tired of thinking about that. I don't want to think about that anymore. Or 30 minutes or 15 minutes or 10 minutes. The goal would be to get better at thinking about what we're thinking about so we can switch to think differently. I don't want to stay on this track. I don't want to be this person that always has something critical and bitter and negative and sarcastic to say. I want to, I want to be different. We said last week that negative thoughts tend to compound on themselves. In other words, the, the direction our train is running, the direction our mind is running, we tend to keep running in that direction. And so if we build a track of negative thoughts, we're just going to keep going and keep going. But the, I think the opposite can be true as well. When we flip the switch, and, and for some of us, to, to start with, we're going to have to flip the switch a lot, all day long. Right? We have to keep flipping the switch until we retrain our thoughts. But, but when we do, we set our minds in a positive direction, that has a cumulative effect as well. And if we're consistent, if we don't give up, what we'll find is we sort of build a new track for our thoughts to run on. Paul talks about this in a couple of places. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. It's about two-thirds of the way through the New Testament. And uh, we're going to jump over to Philippians in just a minute. But but let's start in Colossians 3. Before we get to 3, Colossians chapter 1, Paul gives this incredible perspective on who Jesus was. It's it's one of my favorite descriptions of Jesus as Paul describes Jesus as the supreme. Like He's over everything. He's preeminent. He's first. He's before. Everything that came to be came through Jesus. This is is the Jesus that we worship, the Jesus that we serve. He is over everything, Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. And then he begins in Colossians chapter 2 to say, how that impacts our life. What does that mean for us if Jesus is really over everything? And and he uses phrases like this in verse 6 of of chapter 2. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Jesus is supreme. He's preeminent. You've received Him so you can live in Him. Like, it could change your life. In in verse uh, 20, he says... Since you died with Christ, then these things should start happening in your life. And then he begins chapter 3, where we're going to be with the phrase, Since then you have been raised with Christ, then these things could be true of you. You've received Christ, you died with Christ, you've been raised with Christ, and the overflow of that is a new life. Like Everything about you can change. Everything about who you are and how you interact with the world and what you think and your attitude and your responses and your behavior, it can all change, not because you're good at making changes or I'm good at making changes. Is there discipline that we can implement? Sure. Are there habits we can break and new habits we can start? Absolutely. But there's a limit. I mean, if you're honest, if you've lived very long, you know there's a limit to your ability to change you. So Paul is arguing, it's not just you at work 
You've received Christ. You've received the preeminent, supreme, all-powerful one into your life. You died with Him. You've been raised with Him. Therefore, these things could happen in your life. Because it's not left up to you to make the changes. You're depending on the power of Jesus to begin making these changes. The great thing about Jesus is He doesn't just change who we are. He changes who we want to be. When we obey Him, we're not simply obeying commands that we've been given, rules that we've been given to follow. Jesus is changing us into a person who wants to be that type of person. I want to become different. I want to become, I want to become the person that Jesus designed me to become. And that's Paul's whole argument here. Christ is over everything, and He's in you. The powerful, explosive, dynamic Jesus The Spirit of God is in you, so these things really could happen. A a way to think about it is, if Christ is in us, we don't have to view any area of our lives as untouchable. We don't have to look at any of our area of our lives and say, well, that'll never change. Well, I'm always going to be this person. Well, I'm always going to respond like that. Well, I'm always going to think this way. Well, I'm always going to have this type of attitude. Well, I'm always going to struggle with... Paul says, no, 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 you've received Christ. You've died with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. Anything's possible. He can give you the ability to overcome anything. So out of that, Paul says in chapter 3, since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's more than just you. It's, it's more than just your effort and your power. It is Christ at work in you, giving you the ability to set your heart and your mind on things above. Literally, Paul is saying, you need to seek things that are above. With your thinking, with your emotions, you need to seek after things that are above. Now, when Paul uses the word above in Colossians 3, he's not talking about lofty thoughts. He's not saying you should have really high thoughts. You should have noble thoughts. That's what you should try to do, is you try to have really lofty, noble thoughts all the time. And if you have those then your thinking and your emotions are going to be in the right place. That's not the type of above that he's speaking of. He'll say that a little bit in Philippians. That's not what he's saying here. He's talking more about our perspective, the way we view the world. It's not what we think. It's how we're going about thinking that Paul's trying to get at. It's the way we see the world. And, And Paul's encouragement is, can you try seeing the world from an eternal perspective? Can can you try looking at circumstances from God's perspective and and not from below? Not not from the continual succession of thought after thought after thought, right? You you get up on Monday and it's work and lunch and back to work and home. There's sort of this ongoing cycle to our lives. And Paul is saying, you've got to pull out of that a little bit in your thinking. You've got to see life and circumstances and everything from an eternal perspective, from the way God sees it, looking at a a bigger piece of time and eternity so that you can make decisions. For example, 
This eternal perspective that Paul's urging us to have, an eternal perspective avoids the trivial traps. It avoids the little things that get in, in the way of us having the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ. Um, we live in a time where it's so easy to get sucked into arguments, right? to, to get sucked into conflict, to get sucked into opinions. And a part of wisdom, a part of discernment that Christ wants to give us is the ability to separate out what is important and what is unimportant, what is eternal and what is trivial, what matters and what doesn't matter. That's part of the challenge we have in the time that we live in. It seems that every argument gets a thousand pounds of emotion today. Like there are no big arguments and small arguments. There are no really important opinions and not so important opinions. Everything is really important to everybody and worth arguing over. Wisdom steps in, the mind of Christ steps in to help us separate out. This is really important. That's not that important. This is really going to matter. That's not going to matter. Right? We operate at this fever pitch all the time. The volume of our conversation is always turned up. The attack is always turned up. The, the emotional level is the same for the fact that the lady at the drive-thru didn't put a fork in my bag when I went to lunch as it is for modern-day slavery, right? Like we equate, like the volume and the emotional, how could you, I'm busy, I don't have time to go back. Like everything is at this fever pitch of argument and conflict. There was a time, maybe you don't remember it, there was a time when some things were actually just small things in the world. They were just small things. And maybe they were inconvenient, but they were minor inconveniences. Remember the good old days when we had minor inconveniences? Scroll through your social media feed. Nobody has a minor inconvenience anymore. Everything is the end of the world, as if you're the ruler of some country, and we didn't know it, and you're supposed to get everything that, that you desire. This is the conversation level that we have. Fever pitch, everything is important. One of the things that having an eternal perspective does for us is helps us realize, you know, not everything's all that important. Some things are just a minor inconvenience. Sometimes people make mistakes, and that's okay because sometimes I make a mistake. We used to think that way. We used to think, that's okay. I sometimes make mistakes as well. Wisdom, eternal perspective, helps us know the difference. Another thought. An eternal perspective helps us know the difference between being argumentative and truly taking a stand. It helps us separate, helps us know the difference between just wanting to argue and taking a principled, perhaps spiritual stand on something that's really important. Because we're at this fever pitch in our conversation, because everyone feels like their opinion needs to be heard, I think we confuse what is a really important issue and what is my desire to just be right. Or... What is my desire to prove that you're wrong? You know, sometimes that's stronger. I just need to prove that you're wrong so that I feel 
better about myself. I just want to be argumentative. And look, there are issues we need to take clear stands on. There, there are issues that we should speak into. A biblical worldview should inform what's happening in our day. But there is a difference from a desire to argue and a desire to take a stand. I, I, I've said it before, and, and, and I'll say it again. I've never met a single person, and if it's you, just tell me in the hallway afterwards. I've never met a single person whose opinion was changed because of something they read on social media. I've never met that person. I've never met a, a person who was three layers into some political conversation, and they went, you know what, you're right, and I was wrong. I never knew that. I have never seen that happen. We are a society of back and forth, and I think I'm right, and I think you're wrong. Wisdom, eternal perspective, helps us separate out. This is really important, and I need to speak to it, but I need to speak to it with grace and love, and I need to speak to it in the right way and in the right context. And usually, for any issue that matters, that's a one-on-one conversation. That's a, hey, can we have lunch? Hey, can we, can we sit down over coffee? Because you said this, and I, I wasn't sure what you meant. I, I'd, like to, I'd love to know more about what you mean. It, usually it's that sort of conversation and not a subtweet, right? Not, not a comment on their Facebook page. That, that's where most change takes place is in relationship. Another thought. An eternal perspective helps us weigh the cost of a comment, weigh the cost Uh, We said a week or two ago that our words carry weight with them. And usually they feel lighter when we use them than when they land on somebody else. They they have a weight to them. And, And unfortunately, the time that we live in, words are so careless and trivial. And we use so many words. We throw them everywhere. So they have weight to them. But, but they also have a cost to them. Like saying the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way has a potential to, to cut off a relationship, cut off influence. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's a potential to, to cut off my influence. And everybody doesn't have to be like me. I'm not better. I'm not more spiritual than every, everybody else. I'm just telling you how I look at a lot of the conversations that take place right now. As a pastor, I know you're not a pastor, but as a pastor... And as a person, the most important thing to me is that people have a relationship with Jesus. Like they come to know the the saving grace of Jesus who died and rose again for us. That they they know that when they die, they're going to enter into eternal life. That they experience the full life that Jesus wants to give them in this life. And that's why most of the arguments on the internet and on social media, I, I just don't enter into because who somebody voted for in the last election is way down the list of what's important to me when I want to have a spiritual influence in their life. Who, who they're boycotting at any given time, way down the list of what's important to me. And I realize as a pastor, as a person, as someone who cares about the, the souls, the eternity of people, that there could be a cost to me jumping into random arguments all the time, and that cost may be, I, I, I don't get to have spiritual influence in that person's life anymore. So Paul says, is what you got to do, 
You got to get your thoughts, your thinking, your emotions, and you got to view things from above, from an eternal perspective. Now, for some of us, we, we struggle with that because we're so tied into the below right now. We're, we're having trouble objectively viewing what we think and what we say and the conversations we get into. We can't see things from above because we're so entangled with the below. And I'm just going to say this for some of us, if we want to change tracks, if we want to get off of this constant negative cynicism, sarcasm track that we've been running on, there's probably some people and organizations we just need to unfollow on social media. Like the ones that always get you going, like the, the, the ones that always raise your blood pressure. There may be a few channels on cable that you just need to cut out. Right? Drop, drop a few of the channels from Roku because you spend 30 minutes on that channel and you're fired up and you're ready to go attack somebody. You're, you're ready to post something and you're jumping into arguments. One of the keys to viewing life from above is to clear out some of the below in your life. Clear out some of those things that the more you're around it, the more you're hearing those voices, the more you respond negatively, the more you respond critically. Here's the reality. You and I are not passive victims of our thoughts and attitudes. We're not. We're not on the sidelines and our thoughts are just doing whatever they're doing and we have no control over them. I mean, that's what Paul is saying. When he says, set your heart on things above, set your mind, get your thoughts coming from an eternal perspective. Paul is saying, you have control over this, especially with Jesus inside of you. You have control of the track. So don't see yourself as a passive victim when it comes to your attitude and the things that you say and the thoughts that you have. Yes, are there some thoughts that spring up and maybe we don't directly control them? Yes. Are there emotions that kind of rise up quickly and and we didn't necessarily pick them? Yes. But you and I get to choose how long we stay on that thought. We, We get to choose how long we harbor that emotion. We get to choose how far down that track we go. Do we make two loops? Do we make three loops? Do we make four loops? We're not not passive victims to our thought life. Now, Paul deals a, a little more specifically with where our thought life should be in Philippians 4. Love this passage. I come back to it personally uh, over and over, come back to it teaching over and over. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul sets up certain tracks for our mind to run on if, if we want to get out of the negative track. The first one he mentions is rejoicing. It just means be happy. Right? Be happy in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Choose to be glad because of the goodness of the Lord. Find joy in the Lord. 
That's what we do when we sing together on Sundays. That's one of our goals. Zach and the band, they're not up here to entertain you. Uh, They're not up here to do a concert for you. They're here to hold the door open to you and say, come on, let's get our minds out of the below and to the above. Let's, they sing this one, let's raise a hallelujah. Let's take this minute, reorient our thinking away from all of the negative things that happened this week, and let's set them back on the supreme God who rules over everything. This is your invitation not to be an observer and not to sit back and decide whether you like it or don't like it, whether it's good or not. This isn't the voice. You don't have a buzzer. You're not going to spin around in your chair. This is the band saying to you, come on, come on, let's get our minds out from below and let's put them back above. Let's reorient our thinking. It happens every week. It happens every Sunday we do this. Not to entertain you. Just say, come on, I, our mind is trapped in the below. Can we just lift it up and reorient it to the above? It doesn't just happen on Sunday. Like This could happen at any time in your week. You, you could worship the Lord. You could make time on your ride to work, on your ride home, on your phone, your iPod, your computer, to fill it up with ways to be glad in the Lord. Rejoice is step one. Second thing he offers in this passage in Philippians is gentleness. Let your gentleness be evident to all. If you want to filter to run your next social media post through, this is a pretty good one. Will my gentleness be evident to all when I hit post? Will my gentleness be evident to all when I comment? When I send this text, when I fire off this email, when I say this thing that I really want to say, will my gentleness be evident to all? Rejoice, Paul says. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Third thing he says is pray. Like Whatever that thing is that's bugging you, whatever that thing is that you're worked up about, whatever that thing is you're mad at, God can handle it. God's on the job all the time. He's sovereign. Like God can handle that thing. So why don't you give it to him? And if he wants to, he'll tell you how to handle it. I mean, he will guide you through. If there's something you need to do with it, he'll guide you through that. He'll give you grace and wisdom through that. But don't don't try to respond until you've prayed. Rejoice, gentleness, pray. And then the fourth thing is, is gratitude. Paul says, take some time to be thankful. If you want to see things from above, if you want to change the track that you're running on mentally, spend some time being grateful. Because here's what I know. Complaints and gratitude can't coexist. They can't. Not at the same level. One of them is always going to win. We are either going to ignore the goodness of our lives so that we can keep complaining. Or we're going to look away from the difficulties of our lives so that we can be grateful. But we can't do both. You can't complain and be grateful at the same time. One of them is going to win. You get to choose which one wins. Paul says, why don't you be grateful? You want to switch the track? 
Paul says, here's a place to start. Rejoice. Show your gentleness. Pray. Be grateful. Next time you're on the wrong track, just think RGPG. Rejoice, gentleness, prayer, gratitude, rugapuga. I wish it made a word. It doesn't make a word. There's no vowels. RGPG, rejoice. I'm worked up. I can feel it in me. I'm thinking about my thoughts, and they're not good. I need some time to be with the Lord. I need to worship. I need to pray. I need to give this over to the Lord. I, I, I need to make sure my gentleness is evident to all. I need to make sure I'm grateful because that sets us up for the next thing Paul says in verse 8. Finally, you've done this. Like If rejoicing and gentleness and prayer and gratitude is part of your life, then finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, that's what you want to think about. That's what you want to think about. You, you, you want to switch the track. You, you're not a passive victim, or, or, or we could say it more positively. We decide what our thoughts and attitudes will be. We decide. That's what Paul's saying. You get to pick. You can let the train keep running. You can say, no, I'm going to switch to what's pure and lovely and praiseworthy and excellent and good and true. I'm going to, I'm going to put my mind, because I get to decide the track that my mind's running on. I get to decide what that is, and I'm going to put it on what's good. So you're going to drive home and uh, spend the afternoon, and you're going to start thinking about the week that's coming up. And you're going to be on one track or the other when you start getting ready for next week. The train's going to be running on one of the two. And you're going to have the switch. It's your switch. Like Jesus will help you. He'll empower you. He'll encourage you. But ultimately, you get to flip the switch. Tomorrow's going to come. You're going to get to work. Somebody forgot to do what they said they would do last week, and now it's falling in your lap, and you're having to make up for what that person did. Train's going to be running. It's going to be making its loop. About the fourth time around, you're going to realize, I get to switch. Like, the switch is up to me. Things aren't going to go well. Things aren't going to go right as you expected later in the week, next weekend. Here's what Paul and I are trying to say. You get the switch. You get to decide whether the train is just going to keep making that same loop. Because left unattended, that's what our brains do. Left unattended, it just keeps circling and circling and circling until we go, nope, not anymore. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to be guided by gentleness. I'm going to pray what I don't understand, what I don't like. I'm going to pray about. I'm going to be grateful. And I'm going to set my mind on things that are true and noble and praiseworthy and excellent. Because I get to switch. Let's pray. God, thank you that we are not left on our own to guide our thoughts, we are empowered by the supreme Jesus. 
We have the power that brought him back from the grave. So we cannot claim that we are just victims of our circumstances when it comes to our attitudes, victims of our circumstances when it comes to our thoughts. Jesus empowers us to switch the train tracks. God, I I pray that we would so desire to represent you well. We would so desire to be symbols of your grace and love and power that we would resist the negative pull of our culture. God, I pray that you would help us to think and feel from above not get dragged down entangled by the below for you are the sovereign God who rules from eternity past to eternity future and we get to live in your kingdom we get to be your people God may we represent you well I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.